Let's pray. Gracious God, as we hear the words of that special song, the powerful message that you hold us in your hands. And Father, each one of us in the walks of our lives and the experiences of our lives need to know that you're there with us, holding us up at times, Father, propping us up at times when we feel we can't go on. So, Father, as we have heard the song sung, as we've heard the songs that have been sung of the power of your grace and the power of your goodness, Father, and, and the identity of who we are, Father, may it brand in our hearts the reality of your relationship that you desire with us as your people this day. Amen. It's been a privilege of mine to be able to share the preaching with Colleen for almost 10 years and Alicia for the last couple of years. And I say that, it's a privilege. It's a privilege because you don't have to only hear me. Number two is I don't have to preach every week. And you get to hear them. And that's a special blessing for you to hear them as they preach. But this morning we want to together uh, share with you a little bit of what's on our hearts. Heidi was going to be with us, but Heidi's sick. She went home sick. She said she had a terrible migraine headache and that was enough. You need to go home. And so we'll uh, cover, Alicia will cover some of her bases. But we wanted to just uh, unpack for you this morning the, the most important phrase that we use here is that we're wholehearted followers of Jesus. And so I'll take my place back here on the, the thorn between two roses. <laughs> to be sure. To be sure. Um, let me unpack just a bit that, the wholehearted followers of Jesus. And what I'll do is I'll turn it over to Alicia to talk about, in her area of ministry and her sphere of influence, how does that play out? And she will bring in the children as well. And of course, Colleen carries a lot of play, uh, bases and covers a lot of bases here, so you'll speak and then you'll wrap it up. But that wholehearted followers of Jesus, I think, is a, is a critical um, reality as we think about the church. We have to always be thinking, what is the purpose of the church? What is the church primarily to do? And there's many things that we're called to do in life. There's many things the church is called to do. Many things in our individual lives we're called to do. But the question becomes, what is most critical for us? And I think it would be wise to hear the words of Jesus as he shared in that last words that he shared with his disciple. I think he was giving what is the primary purpose of the church. I find it interesting that it said that there was many of them that worshipped him, but there were some that doubted. Now, I find that rather remarkable. Here is the embodiment of, of the resurrection, resurrected Christ right among them, and some of them doubted. There's something that moves us beyond evidence when it comes to the issue of faith. Even in the midst of such in, uh, in unbelievable proofs, there were some who still doubted. A statement was made, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. I think we need to realize, even though we have kings and we have presidents in this world, there's one that transcends and above all of them. Because Jesus has been given authority by the Father. God has given the authority of both heaven and earth. And I find that, folks, as a, as a point of encouragement to me, that we don't put our hopes in the presidents and the kings of this world, but we put our hopes in the one king, the great king, who is Jesus, who is our Savior. The desire of Jesus on his heart was that his message, his word, would be distributed among all the nations. It was never to be an exclusive message. There's all kinds of evidences in the Old Testament of, of the, the heart of God for all nations of the earth. 
you see the, the, the scope primarily on Israel because he desired Israel to be the light to the rest of the world. But we see evidences of God working in all the nations of the world. And as the prophets unfold their message, it's always about that all people of all nations, people from all the nations of the earth, would come to worship the Savior. That was the hope of the prophets fulfilled in Christ. But the primary thing Jesus desired when he left was that the church would make disciples. And you know disciples means followers. It also means believers. The primary task of the church of Jesus Christ is to be involved, engaging in the ministry of bringing disciples, bringing people first to Christ. First you have to acknowledge him. First you have to receive him as an unbelievable gracious gift. And after that, then we become followers. We live it out in all dimensions and all aspects of our life. There's no compartmentalization when it comes to the Christian because worship God and living it out is in every dimension of our lives. And what he wants us to do then is, is to teach people to obey everything that Jesus commanded us. The primary purpose is to be a disciple of Christ is to obey him, is to obey him and encourage and help one another in the body of Christ to be people who obey the very words and the very teachings and the very life of Christ. Do you realize that's one of the central things we can do with one another? Teach one another, encourage one another, encourage one another to say what Jesus taught us and how he lived is the way which we live. It's the way in which we live. And Jesus commanded us to do that. He commanded us to do that. But we have wonderful promise. He says, I will be with you always till the end of the age. The greatest, one of the greatest statements we see all throughout the scriptures is that phrase, I will be with you. Starting with Abraham, the great patriarch, and Isaac, and Jacob, and, and Joshua, and Moses, and you, you go through all of them, the promise was given to them by God that I will be with you always. And folks, we have the promise, and we have a greater promise, because the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, embodies us. And he says, I will be with you. We do not follow Christ alone. We do not follow Christ on our own strength. We do not follow Christ. We do it by the power of the Holy Spirit, recognizing Him and recognizing the need also, I would say, of community to encourage each other. I've added an element there, wholehearted followers of Jesus, the wholehearted peace, because I think that's so important. Wholehearted is two dimensions to it. One is that we're all in. Jesus says, you save your life, you'll lose it. Give it up for me, you'll find it. If we're going to be wholehearted followers of Jesus, we've got to say we're all in. By the power and strength that we have as the power of the Spirit working through us, we desire to follow Jesus with our whole being. But it also means from the heart. I don't think God is impressed with people that simply feel that they just, out of duty, they need to live out this Christian life. He's not looking for people to just do it out of duty, even sometimes, although it feels that way. He wants people that do it genuinely from the motivation of their heart. It always starts with the heart first, our inner motivation, and then it works itself out in our obedience to the living Christ. He's not just asking for sheer obedience. He's asking for heartfelt obedience that emanates from our innermost being that we desire above all else to be followers of the Savior. As we begin a new ministry year, my encouragement to us is to be all in we desire to be followers of Jesus, and we're going to help each other. We're going to help each other follow the risen Christ. That's all I have to say to you. My turn. Um, this morning I asked Heidi what her plan was um, 
for what she was going to share so that I could try to like synthesize some of this. Um, however, she told me that she was going to do a whole kids lesson on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So I am so sorry that you are missing that. Um, but one of the things that she said, which I would also echo for youth ministry, is that kids ministry is a place to for us as adults to enter in to see what the Holy Spirit is already doing at um, in our kids' lives. And I would echo that for youth ministry because the reality is the Holy Spirit is already at work. Just like Mark shared that we have given, been given this gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is at work in our kids and in our youth. And a lot of times I think they might be a little bit better at seeing the Holy Spirit at work than I am. They're more open to it. They have bigger um, eyes for it and their imaginations um, have little bounds that I have um, other than they have little bounds, meaning like it's boundless. Um, yeah, right? That's what little bounds mean. Words are real hard. <laughs> um, but the idea is, is that our kids already know that God is at work all around them. And as adults that work with kids and with youth, we get to enter into that space and to help lead them and guide them with our knowledge and with our wisdom. And so um, when we talk about wholehearted followers of Jesus in kids and in youth ministry, we want to be partners. We want to partner with our kids to see what God is already doing, and we want to partner with our parents to be at work in their kids' lives. We are not, just like Kara Stromberg shared last week, we are not a replacement for parents. We are not a replacement for grandparents or aunts and uncles or people in the lives of our students and our kids. We are merely additions to help guide them along the path. Our kids and our students live so many segmented lives. They are one um, one life at school, one life at church, one life at home, one life in any extracurricular activities that they are doing. And our hope when we talk about wholehearted followers of Jesus is to take all of those lives and center them around Jesus. That whether they're at school or at home or here or in um, piano lessons or dance or gymnastics or whatever it is that they are doing, that they first and foremost find their identity in Christ. And that through that identity in Christ, they are then become wholehearted followers. That they are able to place all of those things in the basket of being followers of Christ first. And our hope is that we are surrounding them with people who help them um, live that life. That who help them by showing them what that looks like. So we... Kids and Youth Ministry, we could not do this without our volunteers, without the people who give time on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights to just be with our students and with our kids, not to have the answers. The number one thing that I tell my leaders is that it's okay that you don't have the answers because none of us really have all the answers. And our kids, they are asking questions, but they don't want us to just tell them what the answer is. They want us to help them find it themselves. It's going to go so much better. Anybody that's a teacher in here knows that it, it, uh, it roots itself in our students and our kids if they help find the answer. Not if we just tell it to them and expect them to be able to regurgitate it back to us, but if we show them through, Bible, through the Bible studies, through community, through fellowship um, among believers, if we are able to help them see the truth in the world around them and see God in the world around them, then they are going to take that with them into the rest of their lives. Our hope is that we are creating wholehearted followers of Jesus so that when they graduate, when they go off into the world and out of our programming, that they know without a doubt 
that they are loved by God, and that they um, have a family here at Roosevelt Covenant that they could always come back to and ask those questions. We don't want to send them out thinking that they know everything. We want them to know that they don't know everything because our God is way too big for us to comprehend everything that he has in store for us. We want them to know where to look for the answers. We want them to know where to find comfort in their doubt and in their sadness, who to praise when they are excited and full of joy. We want them to know that the Almighty God created them uniquely and special, um, just the way that they are, and created them for a purpose in the world. So wholehearted followers of Jesus in kids and youth ministry um, requires a lot of prayer support, requires a lot of people to walk alongside of our kids and our youth. But just like um, if you missed last week's sermon, you should go back and listen to it because Kara did a phenomenal job talking about what if we had five adults for every one of our kids and youth that they knew loved them and cared for them and were in their corner cheering them on. What if that was the reality of our um, church body? We want to be a spiritual family for our kids and for our youth. We want them to know without a doubt that they are loved, that they are created, and that they are surrounded by a fellowship of other wholehearted followers of Jesus. And so we're excited to kick off and to be into a new year of ministry because we just want to give our kids a place to be, to know that they belong, and to know that they are loved. And that happens here every Wednesday night and every Sunday morning. And that is all that I have to say about that. <laughs> Next. Well, I will just um, take a few moments to wrap things up. And um, being who I am, I wrote a lot of things down. So um, one of the main areas that I oversee here at Roosevelt Covenant is our outreach ministry. And as um, Mark said, like think about um, what it means in your area to be whole, wholehearted followers of Jesus. Um, one of the things I kept coming back to over and over again was the Great Commission. And so um, Mark set the stage by talking about some of that. And I just want to like share a little bit more just from an outreach and missional perspective on what that looks like for our church. And so um, I just want to think for a few minutes about um, those that passage from Scripture that was um, read to us by Joe. Thank you, Joe. But also um, left to us by Jesus. And... Um, I'm not sure if you've noticed lately, um, you can't spend too long on your news feed or reading the headlines um, to realize that a lot of people have opinions about what the church should be doing, um, what they aren't doing, or maybe what they're avoiding altogether. And specifically in the area of outreach at any church, this can feel like a tug of war at times. Um, one piece of evidence from this, um, I remember about a year ago um, when there was another mass shooting that had captured our nation's attention. And in the midst of some of our collective grief and our shock about this situation, there was also this running commentary um, on conceal and carry laws and gun regulations. And I got two emails that week from pastors in different parts of the country, and one sent me his screenshot of his social media post that someone had said, if your pastor isn't coming out in support of your gun rights, then you're going to the wrong church. And then this other pastor from another part of the country sent me a picture of his screenshot that read, if your pastor isn't talking about gun violence and their need for regulation, you're going to the wrong church. 
Now, both of these statements as a pastor I find offensive, but they uh, speak to the dualistic thinking, this kind of hyper-reactive environment that we're in. And this doesn't only happen outside of the church, but in the church as well, that there are all sorts of opinions on what's too much and what's not enough and why are we even talking about this anyway, right? And in this age where everything seems urgent, where resources seem pressing, where our headlines fight for our brief moments of attention, the voice of the church and the chaos of our culture often sounds like more of a muffled cry than a railing cry. And while it would be easy to blame our culture, it's not like conversations that are happening internally inside of the church, the big church, right, are bringing much agreement these days. There are a lot of opinions about the church. And sometimes, friends, we forget that Jesus had an opinion about the church. Jesus had an opinion about what the church should be and who we should be. We get this clear mandate in Matthew that has guided us and will continue to guide our church. And Mark broke this down just a few minutes ago. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is the rallying cry we keep coming back to. And in outreach ministry, what we want to be focused in on. Business leader and author Stephen Covey says, the biggest challenge is for organizations to keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus charges us, like Mark said, to make disciples. He doesn't tell us to go change the world or start a nonprofit or move to another country, as great as those things are. But he tells us to make disciples because here is what we need to be clearly convinced of. Here's what we need to be completely sold out to that there is no problem in the world that apprenticeship to Jesus cannot solve. That there is no problem in the world that apprenticeship to Jesus eventually cannot solve. And as I say that, I hope it doesn't come off as some pie-in-the-sky idealistic point of view because, to be honest, it's what I've bet my life on. And then he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Which nations? All. Which languages? All. Which cultures? All. And I think given the divisions in our day, this is the mandate that we need to be really clear on. And as I work alongside of others in the outreach team here at Roseville Covenant, this all nations mandate is increasingly on our radar. It's why we send teams to Columbia. But even more so, why we want to learn and embrace the cultural diversity that is all around us, whether it's using our gym to reach Somali teenagers through basketball by partnering with Envision Ministry or supporting a new team that is coming alongside of a Korean refugee family as they continue to navigate various systems in our country. Discipleship that is deepening means expanding our relationships to reflect the diversity that is in the kingdom of God. Jesus charges us with baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, as the church, we get to help people who don't know Jesus know Jesus. That's really what it boils down to. And here's the thing. There is a real need in our world today to have a community of people who are clear about Jesus. That they talk about Jesus 
that they live their lives and know that Jesus walks with them, that they go to work and they know that the gifts that they have and why they have a job is because of Jesus, that they engage with their neighbors, recognizing the hope that they have in Jesus. It's so important to have a community of people who know that their very physical well-being rests in the hands of Jesus that they're parenting their kids, recognizing we're not just doing behavior management, but we're desiring our kids to know Jesus. That when we play golf, that when we go for a run, that when we sit on the side of a lake as the sun is setting, we're recognizing it is not of our own doing, but it is because of Jesus, the author and the creator and sustainer of this world that we live in. It's important to have a community that is okay, not just doing the work of Jesus, but saying the name of Jesus, even when it's not convenient, even when you don't know what people are going to think of you. It's why we cultivate relationships with places like Bridging and Keystone, because it allows us avenues to share and serve our love of Jesus. Just this past week, Keystone approached us and asked us to expand our work in the neighborhood by using Roosevelt Covenant as a stop for their mobile food shelf so that their neighbors could continue to access resources. These are opportunities for us to meet not only physical needs, but spiritual and relational needs that so often go unnoticed. And friends, Jesus tells us to make disciples, to help people come to know him, and then he says, to teach them. Jesus says, teach them to obey everything I have commanded. And the good news about this is that Jesus doesn't tell people, recite my commands, know them all by heart, but he says, obey my commands. Obey my commands. As I was looking at this passage this past week, and I'll just say this to wrap up, I found that the Greek word for obey is actually a word tereo. Tereo. And tereo isn't a word that means to like follow a set of rules. It isn't even a religious word at all. It's a maritime word. It's a maritime word that means keep watch so that you can stay on course. And sailors would use this word to describe how someone at night would stay up and they would watch the stars in order that the ship would get to the right destination. And friends, as we talk about our kids and youth ministry, as we talk about worship here at Roseville Covenant Church, as we talk about outreach for each other, we want to be a place where we are tereo for each other, that we are keeping watch so that we get to the right place. It's why we have places like Wednesday night community night, where we can connect and be that for one another why we have classes on Sunday morning, so we can tereo for one another. And finally, like Mark says, Jesus left us with the words that he will be with us. And so friends, as we go into this year, we're remembering that our Savior Jesus promises not, he doesn't give us another command, but he promises his presence with us. That is good news for us as individuals. It's good news for us as a community that he goes before us. And as we keep our eyes fixed on him, that his good work will be completed and that we will get to the right place. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that your word is clear. Your commands are true. Your promises are real, that we can trust you. We can trust you with our lives. We can trust you in our relationships. We can trust you with our future. 
Thank you for the hope that we find in you. In your name we pray. Amen.